This is the Bob McKellen Podcast. Download the Bet Rivers. This is the Bob McKellen Podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app today. Richard Deitch. Been a great week, Richard. Lots of different varieties, lots of different storylines. Uh, we've been all, you know, we, we, we're not going to get any criticism this week of too much hockey. And we're not. We're not going to get any criticism, too much hockey. And the um, uh, great guest to end the week on. Great guest to end the week on, on a week that the Toronto Blue Jays have laid a giant, giant egg. Four straight losses to the Texas Rangers, outscored 35-9 to nine over those. Vladdy Guerrero not doing what he's supposed to be doing. The pitching that was supposed to be their cornerstone has fallen short. What better time to bring on the former manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, the great John Gibbons. Richard and I will be back with Gibby after this. This is the McCowan Podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for BetRivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Welcome back to the McCowan Podcast for the end of the week. Richard in for Bob all week. It's been a good week, uh, Richard. So we thought we'd end it on a high note. Our old pal, by the way, Richard, have, have you ever been on? Have you ever been on tour with a rock band? Honestly, have you ever been on a tour with a rock band? <laughs> yeah, in uh, 1992, I, I I went around with Nirvana and Pearl Jam. No, John, I've never been. <laughs> well, I I'll tell you what, I neither have I, but I traveled with John Gibbons last week. Uh, to Western Canada, ended up, uh, we started Edmonton, ended up in Lloyd Minster, right on the border between Alberta and Saskatchewan. And it was like traveling with a rock star. I mean, hey, it, Richard, was uh, it was unbelievable. How are you, rock star? Um, that is such BS. I tell you what, <laughs> the, the, the real the real star of the show was John, you know? The, uh, oh, don't, don't go there. There's don't no doubt there. about it. At least you, you, you dress like the rock star. <laughs> wow! I dress. You dress like a roadie. Yeah, that's right. You dress like a guy in Lloyd Minster. You that's you fit in. I was I was the outs, I was the typical Eastern bastard sitting there with my shirt and tie on. And there's you know there's Gibbons with his Canadian tuxedo on, fitting right in. That's right, man. You're a city <laughs> slicker. I know. And we I, had a great I, time I, though. Wasn't it fantastic? Those oh, people yeah. are so good. And here, here's the thing, what you learn, and I'm sure it's the same in the United States, but those people know their sports, don't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, first off, if they're going to invite us out there and pay us some money to come in with us in a small little town, you, 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 know they're, you know they're in tune with something, right? The, uh, it, it's, it's, 
they've, they've already harvest, harvested their uh, crops or whatever. But yeah, I tell you what, Johnny, it's just some, I've always loved the people out West, you know, they're uh, down to earth, good, hardworking people. And um, yeah, so I, I've been out there two or three times this year and love it. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Okay. The news of the day has to be what the heck has gone on with the Toronto Blue Jays? Been outscored in four games now. I think my number, I have it at 35 to 9. And the Texas Rangers, who, you know, are the closest team to your hometown, your town right now, we thought they were dead, buried, out. And all of a sudden, it's the Jays on the outside looking in. Yeah, go figure. You know, uh, you know, you could you could have realistically looked at it and said, you know, if they if both teams are good enough, you split, you know, you're you're satisfied with that, right? Um but the I think what shocked everybody is Texas was coming off a terrible in two, three weeks, right? And they were they, they worst bullpen in the league, probably if you if you looked at it, um, the way they've been uh, pitching. And the strength was the Blue Jays pitching staff, right? And they came in, they they hit him around like it was nothing. And uh, you know, it, it, uh, I don't think nobody saw that coming, obviously, you know, the, the scary part of all this though, is they're, they're still in this thing and it's, but it's been a streaky year for everybody. You know, it, it's been, a, you know, look at Seattle, they had a great month of August and they went on a, uh, 10 game road trip and, and stunk it up, you know, uh, Rangers were like one of the top teams for the first part of the season. And they hit that skid, right. When they lost some pitching and things and, and I, I just looked at the team that they're closest to, the Blue Jays close to Seattle. Seattle's got the Dodgers for three night. Then they get then they then they go to Oakland, who's been kind of a nemesis for everybody lately. Then they got still got seven left with Texas and they got three left with Houston. And I guarantee you they're not going to win all those, right? So but the Blue Jays have to win, obviously, right? That's the key. But this is far from over. I, you know, as much as people think you're a homer or a, you know, uh too optimistic, it really isn't. John, you know, one of the things that when you were coming on, I was thinking about this, and you can obviously relate to this as somebody who managed at the highest level. You watch the NBA, right? And Kevin Durant or LeBron may have one bad night. They might have a night off or Steph Curry, pick your star. But generally speaking, they don't have four bad nights in a row. And that's the crazy thing about baseball in that, like, I watch like Vladdy or Bo or Kevin Gossman, and like, these are obviously the best of the best. And they they look terrible for four days in a row. What is it about? Like how did you know? Like how does that happen? In just in terms of like, all of a sudden it just snaps, and the team can go into a collective funk. Where in other sports, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have four bad games in a row. Yeah, he might have one game. It it makes baseball fascinating, but it makes it frustrating too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really does. You know the. Probably the key to all that is they play every play it every day, right? So you yeah, watch right. it every day, and and you know, and and they're they're different characters you're talking about there, different different performers, you know. Um, yeah, I, I just think it what shocked everybody was so lopsided. But you know, base you can, as a hitter, you can go into those funks, and it, I mean, it could be a week long funk, and uh, you may not get a hit, right? You may have some bad luck. You may just your timing may be off. That I mean, that's that's a part of it. All, even the greatest have those. And if it's if it's tied into a four game series, now the problem with it all is when they pay you a lot of money, and you've earned things in the past, you set that bar. They everybody looks and expects the top dogs on your team to rise to the occasion because that's what the true champions do, right? You know, you talk about LeBron, whoever it might be, Mahomes, or you know, in, in big games or when things are on the line, 
they step up, you know, the, the, the Gretzky's, you know, John's, John's boy there. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's what happens, right? That's, that's, that's how these guys become legendary. Um, and so when your top guys, you know, in this case, Vladdy and, and Bo struggled, everything's magnified because that's kind of who, even though they're young guys, they've, they've done enough in the game that everybody looks to them. And if they don't come through, you know, that's, that's usually what happens. When do they stop being young guys? Well, you know, it's like, funny. When, was... when, when you look at, you know, these guys now have been professional baseball players for, it's not a cup of coffee. They've been a professional baseball players for quite a long time now. Well, no, they, they stop becoming young guys when they get to be our age, right? That's... <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Well, you know, that, who, who that, told me that, that those are that's called pensioners. We're called pensioners. Pension. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I saw something the other day. Vladdy Jr. is still younger than uh, you know, all those three uh uh Schneider Schneider and those guys Horowitz, those guys they brought up in the minor league. He's still younger, and that's kind of so yeah, that's no you know, I can I always go back to you know Vladdy's got off to a great start and set that bar high. But you look at guys too. You look at like guys like Batista, I had Donaldson and Carnacio, the main guys. They were they were late bloomers, you know. They but you know Vladdy both showed so much early on that you kind of expect it. In in the but the true eventual Hall of Famers, you know they they start out young, they take the game by storm, and they never look back usually. John, so let me ask you this because like it's one thing to sort of play like sports talk radio and just yap about it, but you're actually, we're in a clubhouse. So you can, you literally are a guy who has the expertise here. <laughs> There's a, th- or, you know, relatively speaking, relatively <laughs> speaking. <laughs> we're all, we're all, we're all day to day on expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that, that Blue Jays fans have talked about this year is that not only was the like Guriel Mourinho bar show deal, sort of not a good deal in terms of performance, but when you add Teoscar Hernandez, it changed the chemistry of the club. And like what was coming out of like sort of the Blue Jays was they wanted, this is sort of my paraphrase. They wanted like a more quote unquote professional clubhouse, right? Professional clubhouse to come in. But now I feel like I can make the counter argument that like, maybe like what gave that group sort of like a lot of oomph last year were these guys like Guriel and Teo who made everything fun and like were always sort of upbeat in the dugout. I get that's easy for me to say on a four-game losing streak, but like how I don't know, like how much of that is like real in terms of like the chemistry of a clubhouse, particularly when you're going through a stretch like they're going through now, when you kind of need somebody to step up and be like, F this, we're gonna win today. Yeah, you know what? That's you know, there's been talk about that all season about you know, you lost. X amount of offense, right? And then Moreno, the you know up and come catcher in uh in in a in a year that you you're you're starving to score some runs, it it really stands out. Mm. But I think too, your part you talk about like the home run jacket and things like that too. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Oh, you did, sir. I've got a record. I I hate it. I couldn't. I know. Old school. No. Old school guys hated it. I know. I know. No, no. I just no. I just had a problem with you. You're down ten to one, and, and everybody's celebrating around you. Like, hey boys, right. let's go. Let, let's take this a little more serious. You know, there's people pay a lot of money to come here. There's a lot of money on the. That's all. But I am a little bit older, right? Um. You know it. it you, you're talking about well that great team last year that lost 
first two games of the wild card. I, right? I know, but I mean, you know, I'm, well, I'm, I'm writing that last game off as a fluke, but I get it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a performance business, and at the end of the day, no, I got you. Now, if they, if the, if the Blue Jays do not get in this year, then you can really make that argument. If they, if they get in, which I still think they're going to, it's, it's. I guess it's all how you look at it. it, it what wins usually in the end. It, when when it comes to playoff time and everything is is pitching and defense because you know runs are at a premium everybody steps up their game if that's the case the Blue Jays are in good shape even though this was this was an aberration these four games as far as what happened to their pitches staff that just is they're they're too good they I think still think they have the best pitch in, in the league um, so the, but that'll be the test if they they can get in I think they have a chance to do more damage than they did last year you know is even I'm talking about they could they could advance you know depending on you know who they're playing obviously. And it's been such a streaky season. You look at all the teams in there, right? You know, you go back, you look at Houston the other day, lost lost two or three to Oakland. They came in, you know, after everybody was talking about, well, the Oakland A's, you should beat them. Yeah, you should, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't work that way, you know? And then Texas lost two out of three to Oakland. Those kind of, it gets tough to win when you have to win. Yeah. But there, but it's different. It's the, the whole game is, is different. There's no doubt. It's, it's more of a circus. And so that some of that was taken away. I don't bother, mind that at all, but a lot of people do. And maybe, maybe it affected them a little bit. I, I don't know, but, uh, hey, uh, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick by that any day. You know, at least get a better-looking jacket. At least do it in the dugout. Don't come out on the field at home plate and give a jacket. It's like, there used to be a thing called respect in in, the, in sports and in the world. No one, you wonder why our countries are – this country, I can speak, we're such, such in a – going down the tubes. There's no respect for anything. Well, right, John? It's funny <laughs> because listen well, don't by the way richard nobody knows how to stir up a crowd better than gibbons when he just throws out uh, a couple of darts you know throw out a couple is, of darts. this is uh this is big just finally two americans on a podcast versus one i'm very excited yeah. <laughs> so do you do you see i mean it's funny because i went and got my wife a, a a dinner of fish and chips the other night and i'm talking to the, the the guy cooking the fish for me and he says you know what i just wish they brought the home run jacket back because it was fun thank you and, and it's exactly what he said richard he said it's fun and and they seem to have more fun there doesn't seem to be very much joy in mudville these days and, and so it, it leads you to ask the question how much fun should the game be or is, is it a hardcore business well, I don't know. Do they, are they having a lot of those home run celebrations, those kind of celebrations of hockey? Do they do that all the time? Um, well, I'll tell you what, there's, there's, though, first of all, if you get a good team, you, you get to hug the guy after every goal on the ice, you know, and, and it's, it, it, it's, and, and, and every, every once in a while, there's, you know, the hot dog. And, and the, the thing about, ba the thing about hockey, uh, other than, Every once in a while, when the pitcher gets mad and throws the ball at the, which you know, right. Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball is thrown out of the game. They don't want that. They don't want that, that conflict. I mean, the other by, team they could stay by the bench though and do the high five on every goal. Oh sure, oh yeah, and that and and you know what? That is so. Now that's rote. Now that's well, I have to do that. I got to go high five the goalie at the other end of the ice. Well, no, you can you can do all the high five and all. It's, I I just I just think you know when you the Seattle brings out the trident and the things like that, you know I I just I guess I just view, always view professional sports at the highest level as a little more serious. You know, it's like, you know, uh, it's like how can we how can we uh, or, or the San Diego Padres, you know, the team most probably the biggest underachieving team. 
the guy hits a home run, they get everybody in the ground, they take, they get a camera out and they take a picture. The game's going on, you know, and they're losing by five, six runs. You know, it's like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what's missing for the Blue Jays, that home run Listen, jacket. You, know? you, you were the manager, you were the manager of the team that had the player that hit a home run that galvanized the whole concept of the bat flip. Right. The world right. has the world has changed since Jose Bautista's bat flip. Everybody bat flips now and nobody says a word. Well, yeah, exactly. But back then, I mean, it, it caused Jose, you know, it caused there was a little battle going on that following year. But that was an isolated thing. That was 23 years of frustration. That was a non-playoff frustration. And it was he wasn't flipping it all the time. Jose got thrown at all the time, you know, because he a lot of people considered him a hot dog, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing in comparison to nowadays, but you know, I, I tell you what, you know, I, I hope they, I would, I hope they bring it back these next two weeks. If it, if it gets them over the top, <laughs> John, do you think in all seriousness, cause it's actually kind of an interesting discussion. Do you think that some of this is generational in terms of today's, you know, 22, 23 year old, I, oh, I'm yeah. not, I'm not using Vladdy and Bo because they sort I don't want to use individuals, but you know, they're brought up in a social media age. They're they're brought up in a world where they chronicle everything online. And I think it's just like just maybe just how they professional athletes sort of just approach this because of just how they were raised in the generation, the era they raised in. They're just different. They're 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 they just they just they approach things differently, I think, right? Oh yeah. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I'm, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying it's criminal behavior or anything. Like that. I'm saying I, maybe it's, maybe if you have a little better judgment, you know, when you're not losing by 10 runs, you know, you're, I, okay, I get that. I think that, that's, that's, that's maybe it because, you know, uh, you know, professional sport means, it means a lot up there. It means a whole, it's everything to the whole country. Right. And, and uh, so, you know, you kind of, I always kind of got, when I, I viewed it, you know that hey let's go boys it'd be a little more serious right we're getting we're getting our ass kicked right here right you know and there's a lot of you got a lot of fans out there want to maybe think they're thinking if we we're a little more serious maybe we would play better you know right. but i i understand it too in in uh you know and what, I say, I, yeah i didn't mean to interrupt you i was gonna say to john's point john the other john like john gibbons is totally right in that anytime professional athletes are laughing and joking when they're getting beat bad the narrative the next day is these guys don't care enough, right? Like they're not serious. So in some ways, pro athletes can't win because they're every single time the camera's on them, the viewer and fan at home is making a, a, a judgment that's either a real judgment or just a judgment based on a momentary snapshot of a camera on them. Right. Hey, well, Vladdy Jr. after every win still dumps the ice water on some uh, the guy, right? So maybe it's the magic jacket that's missing. <laughs> I want to ask you if, 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 when you were a manager or even a coach and you thought the guys were too flippant in the dugout or even in the bullpen, uh, would you walk down to them and say, Hey guys, get your head out of your ass. We're losing. You know what? I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think I ever had a problem with that. You know, I, I the, 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 the players I had, you wouldn't go and talk to the guys or they, or oh, they, oh, already, oh. Or they, if they already knew. Yeah, I don't. I I think they would know better, you know, than hey, you know what? Uh, but but if there, anytime there was something I didn't agree with or didn't like or whatever, with something going on in the field or way we were doing something, I would always address it because if you don't, you know, you got problems, man. Then, then things get out of control, right? And I think that's your job also. But yeah, you know, but usually what happens, the uh, and I I kind of sense they got rid of that jacket because there was some older players on the team that thought it was a little bit 
that was my sense. I don't know that for a fact, but usually your, your old veteran players or the guys, they, they police their own, you know, these up young kids and all that. And, and um, I don't know. It's uh, I gosh, I would hope that's not the reason they don't get in for crying out loud. <laughs> what, John, what, if you, if you are uh if you're John Schneider, uh, like, what can you do? I mean, do you, I guess you obviously can control the lineup. You got to pick your spot, obviously, when to talk. It's probably from just basically reading all the time, like calling meetings left and right doesn't necessarily solve the issue. No. Do you just – the one thing I appreciate about Schneider, and I know he's getting crushed right now, is the guy is remained flatline, calm. You, you don't see him in press ever, like, loses cool for the most part. He keeps saying we're a good team. Like, it, if nothing else, like, he, I feel like he's – publicly doing the right thing but what can he do to try to turn this thing around you know probably probably not much you know and that's and I, and I say that not being in the clubhouse and know you know what the you know the our, the vibe I guess you could say is uh uh yeah you, you know I think what frustrates fans though when when the managers coaches or whatever that you know when they uh you hear this about uh Aaron Boone and the Yankees all the time, you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're struggling. They're, they're going nowhere. He paints this positive picture, you know, and I say, I think sometimes you get, you can get carried away with that. You know, you get, you, mm. Hey, this is, this is reality right here. You don't, you don't, you don't kill your guys because then you're, you're done anyway. Right. Um, but, but you don't try to uh, pull one over the fan base either. You know, I say, Hey, you know what? Sometimes you gotta say we stink, we stink. And I always used to say, and I, and it, and it wasn't, uh, I mean, it was reality. I said, listen, in the end, if we're good enough, we'll be there. If we're not, we won't. It's that simple, right? But as far as I, because I saw, I thought I saw something the other day when when uh, they had a meeting before that last game yesterday or something. And I, I always hated meetings. I never, you know, unless, unless there was something out of control, something really bad, you know, you know, because I, I have found, you know, they're just like my kids. You know, the more you talk, the less they listen, right? And, and, uh, and so, and, and, and I've been, in, I've been in a, on a playing end of it and I've sat there and guys, you could, you could tell when a manager or a coach starts pack, panicking, right. They come and they want to have a meeting to see for folk, whatever tell us everything's all right, boys, we got to do this. And the players kind of roll their eyes. They go, come on, man. And and I've also had managers that, that say, Hey, Hey guys, uh, get me a couple of runs tonight. I'll figure out a way to win, win this thing. Right. So a lot, and so, so either they think they're the smartest guy or they're the reason they're winning or, or they're, or they're, or they're panicking, trying to cover their own ass. And some and people and players ignore that. They, cause everybody in that room there, the play, the players know the magnitude of those games and, and uh, nobody's loafing that, you know, they're, they're in a rut, you know, and uh, they'll come out of it. Hopefully it's not too late. But sometimes the more the, the the more you talk, the less they listen. It loses its effect, and they and sometimes they turn on you. You know, and so they go, "Oh, here we go again." You know, another meeting. Great. What do we need another one? That last one didn't work, or what? You know, one of those deals. One hundred and forty-seven games into the regular season now. One hundred and forty-seven. It's it's one of the amazing things about this sport, more so than any other. I mean, the, the NBA and the NHL play eighty-two. The NFL's a seventeen-game season with over nineteen weeks. Um, but at 147 games, uh, how worn down are the players physically and how worn down are they mentally? Extremely on both, both, you know, they, uh, you know, it is a long grind, you know, it's not, it's not as physically demanding as the other sports, but it, it, it's more of a mental grind, but your, but your body's beat up, especially the older you get, you know, I used to, the, the only days you really feel good in the season is like the first day you go to spring training or, or opening day, 
and then the last game of the year if you're if you're going home, whatever. Those are those are when your body's, you know, otherwise, you know, it it does take its toll on you, but it's not as physically demanding, let's say. But it's the mental end of it, especially now they're under the gun. You know, they're 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 uh, you know, the guy the best players in the game aren't always your most talented, but they're the guys that can control this and have you know their mind right, right? Right. And the but even those guys, you know, they feel the heat, they put the pressure, they go through the ups and downs, the doubts. Um, so that's that's natural. But now you're putting on the the you know the Atlanta Braves aren't dealing with that now because they just they clinch right. But the teams that are trying uh, to get in there and there's times running out, they're feeling that heat the other day and, and they're feeling it. Well, look look at the Blue Jays case; they're feeling it from their fan base too. You know, it's not like just just themselves. Um, but yeah, they're they're worn out. Even the bad teams are worn out. Even that aren't going anywhere because it does take its toll on you every day. Well, I mean, if you're not in the, you know, if, if you're playing for the Kansas City Royals, and you're 147 games in, I mean, the, these days have to be really hard. Uh, you know, the routine of going to the stadium, the routine of travel. I mean, the the mental anguish of knowing that they've won 46 games this year, 46. Um, they've lost 101 times, but that's different than when you know that a team is in a playoff hunt. And and how do how do you push the body? How do you push the mind to to try to do it every day? We got, you know the Jays have a three game series against Boston coming, and yet it's oh my God! Look what we're coming through. We're, we're not very good. We haven't been good the last ten games really. So how, how do the players push through it? And 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 what can any of the coaches or man, the managers say to to get them over the hump? Or is it just you know you got to let them do what they do? Yeah, well, speaking of the Kansas City Royals, it motivates those guys is the first and the fifteenth. You know that payday, man. <laughs> they're not working for wow. minimum wage. It's, uh, it's not podcast money, but you know it's. You know, it's, uh... yeah. <laughs> it's John. Really, if if you need to self motivate at this at this time of the year, what's at stake? You know something something's wrong. You know, but I will say this. You know, I think players mimic their manager in a lot of ways, his emotions. Uh, and they, they, they look to see how that guy's reacting in the corner of the dugout. If he's panicking or he's like, you know, he's pulling his hair out. I do think it's important, though, for a manager, even with the tough, tough times like this right now, you, you got to fight for your guys, man. There may be a time, and it's not, not, not a phony thing. You may need to go out there and, and tear an umpire up, right? Not not because just this thing to do. If he if he screws up a call or something, to, to just to let these guys know you got their back. I mean, it's not you don't put on a show in a phony thing, but there you get sometimes you got to let off your steam. You know, you got to let in the. But you know the red. But even that, the, even that's changed. Even that's changed when you consider that lots of the times now the umpires aren't making the final decision. Oh yeah, no I mean, exactly. New York, New York, New York's making the decision. I mean, we, there's no, we 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 can't have Earl Weaver. Running right. the dugout, put his head on backwards and going toe to toe with John McSherry. You know what I mean? No, you're right. <laughs> it you're can't right, happen but it, anymore. Even if they overrule you on the instant replay, what do you can still argue to get thrown out anyway? Because you know, I used to I used to say to those guys, who the hell's up there in the, in the reviewing these in New York, man? Because they're covering for somebody down here on the field. Because there's no way, you know, you see it on the board. Say, <laughs> Somebody's covering for somebody down here, man. That's that's. <laughs> <laughs> We're with. Uh, we're with John Gibbons. That's Richard Deitz. I'm John Shannon. The McCallum Podcast. Back after this. Former Blue Jay manager, two times John Gibbons is with us on this Friday. Richard Deitz as well. 
Uh, hey, John, who you talk about what a manager is? Who is who is the best? Who would you like to play for more than any other manager? Was there one guy that jumped out at you? Well, you know what? In the big leagues, the only guy I ever played for was uh, Davey Johnson. In the, oh. I really liked Davey. You know, Davey, Davey was kind of ahead of the game. You know, he was kind of a, you know, he was like into somewhat analytics before, you know, analytics got, went crazy, right? But he, he was, uh, he let you do your job. He wasn't, he, he wasn't, ta- he wasn't talking all the time. He wasn't vocal. He said, you know, you, you got a job to do, he, and he trusted you, right? And um, uh, so, and he, of course, his he was confident as could be, and he took you know he took over the Mets in in the '84, and then you know when everything turned around over there, just just confidence dripping off the guy, and and a smart guy, uh, so he was the best that I ever played for in the in the big leagues. You know, I, I was I was fortunate coming up through the minors, especially back then. You know, you had all different type of guys, right? You had the hardliners, and you had the you know the kind of the new age guys were starting to come onto the scene. Um, but he was he was he was definitely the, the top guy. And he no, won everywhere he went, you know. So yeah, I, I want I'm, I want to ask you about the Blue Jays front office, but before that, just so, because you brought up David Johnson and that team, obviously, you know, I grew up in New York, uh, right off New York City, and so that team. Okay. Um, you caught Dwight Gooden right at at his prime, essentially. Everybody knows Dwight's story in terms of what happened to him and issues with drugs and stuff. But but I have to say this, and I'm sure part of it is just like what stays with you as a kid, like stays with you. I've never seen a guy like with that. When he first came into the league, I have never seen a pitcher with that kind of stuff. Like the, like my dad would say, like, it was like Koufax basically like when Koufax came into the league, what, what was he like at 19 or 20 before any of the issues and stuff like that? I mean, did, did anything, does anything compare to how he was when, when you caught him? Cause watching him some from afar, it was like a comet, basically. Oh yeah, you know, Richard, by far the best guy I ever caught. You know, I mean, I caught some good ones. It's 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 funny. First of all, I never saw this coming with the off field problems. I wouldn't have ever expected that of Dwight. You know, because he always he he would do anything for you. He seemed to have it all together. You know, with, with Strawberry, you know, you could Straw was a little volatile, at least you know, and so maybe okay. But anyway, but I can remember in spring training, our first spring training, that Dwight's first spring training. You know, he grew up in Tampa across the bit. We St. Petersburg, Florida. You know, we used to stay in this little uh, motel uh, right on Tampa Bay. So everybody used to park their cars right outside these like little huts. And uh, a group of us are sitting out there one day, and this this uh, souped up Camaro drives up. Right, the guy gets out, and you see the license. He goes in wherever, and he, license plate says Doctor K. And we all go, Yeah, okay, who's this asshole? Right, come on, dude, are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> so- <laughs> So the next day, you know, we're we're at the spring training the workout, and uh, I'm, I was a catcher. You see him throw off the mound, you're going, "Ooh, that's Doctor K right there, right?" And then, uh, but you know what? Oh, there was there was nobody like him. But you know, an interesting story. A lot of people don't know when he was in A ball. This was '83. He was in Lynchburg, Virginia, in the, in the Carolina League. First part of the year, he was just he was just so so right. In the in the the story we all got from one of our uh, John Cumberland, one of our favorite pitching coaches. One day he went out to the mound because he Dwight was just kind of a you know good and bad, good and bad, and he he told him Dwight on the mound. I, I was talking to the catcher who was there. He said, "Listen, he said, son, it's time for you to shit or get off the pot, or you're going back down to you're going down to the lower level, right?" And he took off, man. Next thing you know, and this is a ball. He strikes out over three hundred guys. You know, he uh, I don't know. He might have won nineteen games or something. So then then he goes up to AAA at the end of the year, and then of course next in '84 he made the team, and the rest is history. 
So, but it, but you know, it, he was on the verge of even going down because he was just kind of the talent was there, but he was just kind of sputtering along, right? And and I don't know whether that what kind of jolt that gave him, but or it got him focused or something. But he kicked it in, and, and there was no looking back, you know. Um, but it was, uh, but sometimes you know, we even talk, somebody was talking to me the other day about Manoa, right? You know, but when I said well, Gooden was going to, he was an A ball, he was going to go from high A to low A, right? Back then, you didn't think twice about that, right? If you're not producing, or we we think it's gonna it'll do you some good, you know, to earn it or whatever, you do it, you know. And then you know you see what's happened with Manoa. He he's going, goes down to Triple A or never goes and doesn't pitch. He's pissed off or whatever. It's like, you know. And and then there's there, you know, there there it's a, it's a t it's teamwork to decide what's best for this kid. Sometimes he's got you say, hey, kid, this is the way it's gonna be until you get the hammer and you're a free agent or whatever. We're calling the shots, you know, and. Uh, and, and sometimes I think I think we soothe things over too much and try to do the psychological side of the you know this uh, anyway and it, and it ends up hurting us. How any sense of the Manoa situation now that you brought him up? I mean, what the what are they going to do? Yeah, I don't know. I you know I was I you know first well nobody really knew. I don't think anybody outside of that room. They've done a great job of keeping a secret, right? They've done a great yeah, job. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get sent down and you never show up. You know that. You know uh, that used to uh, suspend. That used to involve suspensions, things like that. My only, my only thing it was maybe he was banged up and he was hiding it. You know, he was hurting, and then uh, his agent got involved and said, "You know what? You can't go. They can't send you down because you know it's costing you service time, money, all that, all that stuff, right? That matters because it's so big nowadays." But um, maybe he was trying to he was trying to pitch through some pain or something and they finally said hey, i'm not going down i've i've been sucking it up that's my guess but then you know they, but i i don't know i don't i don't know if that's accurate at all either though no, by, no. The way, by the way richard R- richard just by the way just just for, to get our facts straight our crack research staff yeah the mets drafted in the first round one year and and i, I know i'll be corrected by by in one year the first round strawberry billy bean John Gibbons, am I right? That's it. That one right, of them, one of them had a great career. The other one became a front office guy. The other became a coach. So I guess, <laughs> I don't know if that, I don't know if Frank Cashin was a GM back then. I don't know if he considered that a success or what. I don't know. No, that's not. I, three <laughs> successful dudes. That's a good job by Frank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, uh, John? I mean, um, just based on the expectations of this team, if the Blue Jays do not make the playoffs. Like, should Ross Atkins worry about his job? Is it that kind of failure? Uh, you know, one thing about the Blue Jays, I, I will say, they've been pretty consistent in terms of uh, stability, you know, in like the top right. positions. Yeah, you know, that, that's hard to say. You never know. I mean, I don't think anybody, even though the Red Sox was struggling, anybody thought that it was going to happen to High Bloom yesterday. I didn't think you know? so. Yeah, that was surprising. Yeah, yeah even, even, but, but, you know, I always kind of viewed the Red, Red Sox the last couple of years as turning into a small market team, and that wasn't going to last, right? As, as far as what happened with, you know, Ross, you know, I don't know. I don't know who would make that call. You know, Mark Shapiro, who brought him in, they're, they're very tight, you know, and they've, uh, you know, and he's, he's, got, he's got control of that place, right? Um, but but sports is volatile, and I guess, I guess a lot of it depends on the uh, uproar in the fan base, right? Yeah. That, that, that's usually a big part of it, too. Um so, you know, who knows? You know, you hate to see anybody get get, the, get fired, but you, you when you take those jobs, whether you're managers, coaches, or front office, whatever, you, you know, you, those got to be results sooner or later, not just getting there, 
you know, if you get there every year, sooner or later they expect more, right? And then uh, in the end, somebody somebody takes a fall. You know, that's just the way it is. But that's why they pay you a lot of money. John, I want to ask John. I want to ask John a question, John. Is it just weird to take a job knowing that you're going to be fired at one point? Like nobody takes an accounting job, like right? And like oh, I know in three years, man, when like the tax laws changes, I'm gone. Like, but a manager knows, like the second you go in, at some point you're getting fired because no one lasts. Right? Or or maybe or maybe twice. Well, I've been fired more times than that, just in a different position. So I don't know. It, it, it happens a lot to me. Maybe I'm not what I think I am. No, uh, you know, yeah, that, that's, but you, you know, to get the opportunity, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have a good playing career and you get into the coaching end of it, not everybody, but most guys want a shot at managing. Right. And so when you get those opportunities, you know, you live with it, try to make the most out of it. And uh, you see a lot of guys get these jobs on teams that are going nowhere. So, you know, it's, it, that's really a dead end in two or three years because people are going to be frustrated. And that guy, they say, well, he can't do anything with his crappy team. Well, you're right. Um, yeah. You, you just, you just roll the dice and, and just hope, uh, you know, it works out, but you know, one thing, if, if unless you got your head in the sand, you're not going to win without talent. That, that's for sure. You know, there might be a couple teams every year that overachieve, a couple that underachieve, but everybody finds their level. And if you don't, if the other guys, Frank Howard, remember big Frank Howard? Yeah, sure. One of my favorite guys, one of everybody's favorite guy. He told me the story one time in spring training when he was coaching the Mets. He says, he would sit there, he said, son, he said, listen, he goes, he said, you look over, uh, you look over the other dugout, you see five cannons. He goes, you look in our dugout, you see two cannons. He goes, Son, you may win a battle. You ain't winning no war. You know that was, that was that was Frank Howard's analytics right there, and he was so right. You know, <laughs> which is a I, I, I listen. Just now, you got me going back to my my time as a kid, world's largest baseball player. When Frank oh. Howard was playing, uh, I remember for the Washington Senators. That's how long ago it was. I remember him for the Washington Senators, and he was he and Boog Powell, right? Were the two yeah. biggest players of the history. They were massive players. Nobody, Willie Mays wasn't a big guy. You know, Roberto Clemente wasn't a big guy, but Frank Howard and Boog Powell were giants. Oh, they yeah. Were, if, if, I think Frank was a big basketball player in college, too. You know, obviously. Was not, I can remember, though, I got some so many good, everybody's got Frank Howard stories, but the same spring training, like, you know, because I was a AAA manager and he was on the coaching staff, or as an A-ball man, one of those. Anyway. I can remember walking through the spring training, the clubhouse at the end of the day, and they used to have this, the sauna kind of out, out in the locker room. Right. And the coaches would all hang around. So I, so I was going down to the training room to get something. Right. And all of a sudden I'm walking by where that sauna was and the door flies open and here, big Frank comes out. All he's got on is the jock strap. Right. And he's got, he's got about these 50, 60 pound dumbbells. Right. He's coming out, he's sweating bullets. He's in there. He's in there doing curls and stuff in a sauna. Right. And he says, son, son, you know, it's <laughs> called, Son, I need you to hold my feet. Come with me, right? So we go to the training room. He he hops on the <laughs> he hops on the training table, lays down. He said, "Hold my feet," you know. And he's sweating bullets, and I was holding his feet. And he's doing he's doing sit ups. Oh my god! He, he spins with that jock strap. Oh yeah, and then he then he, then he grabs his dumbbells. He goes back into the uh, sauna, does it again. I said, "I'm out of here, man. I'm not coming through till he leaves." <laughs> But the hardest, one of the hardest working dudes, one of the one of the best people you ever want to meet if you haven't met him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he's a legendary, like Don Zimmer, kind of a legendary. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I feel like you know, it's interesting. Like, uh, 
the game, they missed that figure. I, I, you know, like um, in some ways, like, you know, Mattingly is kind of like a wise old sage for John Schneider, but there's not really, unless I'm missing it, there's not like a Frank Howard or Don Zimmer or like Jim Leland. Like these guys don't really hang out in the clubhouse. Maybe that's just part of life has changed, but that was one thing about baseball. I love was like the old dude, like who would be around who like could link, let's say like uh Jackie Robinson to like a Chiro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Richard, Richard, for me, it was Bobby Winkles. How many Bobby teams? Bobby, how guy. many teams did? Yeah. How many teams did Bobby Winkles was he the third base coach for? And yes, and sir. I mean, it, it, Bobby Winkles, he, he was recycled before they had plastic. I mean, it was. <laughs> and, and, and but that was that was baseball though, wasn't it? That was yeah. Like, you know what, John? It's interesting that like hockey has Scotty Bowman, you know, or had Scotty yeah. Bowman when he was around. Is there a baseball equivalent of that guy? I don't think not now, right? That guy doesn't exist. No, well, Don Zimmer, but it's, I don't know if it exists past Don well, Zimmer. Well, it would have been, it would have been Yogi. If you know, Yogi would have been Yogi. Yeah. He won nine, but we were talking about, uh, guys, he won how many, how many cups that he's involved in? Scotty? Scotty, I think Scotty has 11 rings. That's uh, Rich. I got to tell Richard the story I told you the other, the other night because, you know, I, the first time I ever met Scotty Bowman, we were playing down in, um, Tampa, right? In the, I think he lived down down the road there. In Sarasota. That's right. So he came out to the game, and I met him, and we're taking batting practice in the standing around the cage, and I'm just picking his brain. We're having a good time. So finally, he says, "Hey, I got I got to get out of." He goes, "Good luck, uh, win win that thing or something like that." And I said, "Yeah, I said, hey, Scotty, we'll win this one. I only have like six more to catch here or something." He goes, "No, like ten more." <laughs> 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 He made oh, sure I knew exactly what he didn't play or whatever. Wait, wait, but but that was, you know, it's funny you say that because there's a real there's a real hockey baseball equation because all those guys, like Scotty Bowman, they played hockey in the winter and baseball in the summer. And 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 great athletes are great athletes. And it doesn't matter what sport. And competitors are competitors too. Like right. guys oh, yeah. hate to lose. Guys. I mean, never play any sport against a guy who is a professional athlete because he will want to win no matter what it is, whether it's tiddlywinks or racquetball or golf or the sport that they're great at. That that think- competitive level. I oh, played racquetball yeah. one night. I played racquetball one day with with a, years ago when I actually could move quicker than I do now with a guy who was a fifty goal scorer in the NHL. He spotted me twenty points. When you had to go to 21 to win, he spotted me 20 points. And I'm running around the racquetball court all afternoon. And this guy's sticking his leg out. He's elbowing me. He's getting in my way. <laughs> he's, still, he, he's still winning. There's no question in his mind. Ugh. that That's the difference between you and me and, and, and Gibbons, Richard, is the competitive level of professional athletes and the killer instinct you have to have to play the game. Hey, that's, that that's, well, well, that's how you are on the golf course, I hear, isn't it? And how you? Oh, no, uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not don't go. There. It, you know, you got that um, famous story from the 1984. No, no, no. I'm sorry, 1992 Olympics, the Dream Team, where Jordan played. Michael Jordan played Christian Leitner in like ping pong, and Leitner beat him. Leitner was like a 21 year old time. Jordan yeah. could not let it go. Like, he literally couldn't let it go <laughs> until he eventually beat him. It might have taken him, like, 20 games, but you're – there are just certain guys who are built differently. And yeah. Jordan, literally, a, a ping-pong game, Jordan could not let go until he eventually beat him. 
That's that's incredible. Right. You know, when we talk when you talk about like Scotty, you know, to to win that many cups in different capacity, obviously, but it's like, you know, and how many guys you never get one, you know, or in the that's the ultimate dream, and he's got that many. It's like, yeah, you know, it's like nothing to it, boys. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, after spending three days, the, the the great thing about Gibbons is, and this is one of the things that endears him to everybody that, that that's around him. He asked more questions about me and hockey than I asked him about baseball. We, we, we had a great time talking. And, oh yeah! And, and then, hey. he plays, then he plays. The, then he plays the game that yeah I don't know anything about hockey. And then he's he's asking me all these questions all the time. Oh yeah, I I, I love the sport. I love the toughness about him. Now, the day they start wearing those uh, jackets at the gold jacket, or maybe the goalie starts putting on a a sport coat during the game, then then I probably won't like it as much, even though I don't understand it completely. <laughs> John, I know you're a San Antonio guy, so well, you got to be happy about Webanyama, right? This guy looks like he's gonna if he stays healthy. Guy looks yeah. like he'd be a game changer. Well, they tagged it last year just to get this opportunity, you know. And, I know uh, it's great, yeah. great, great management. Oh yeah, you know what? You know what's funny when uh, what year was it? Uh, I don't remember what year. My second go around there in Toronto, Shapiro had taken over in Atkins, and Mark Mark is was good friends with the. Uh, the president of the Spurs down here. Oh, uh, R.C. Buford. Yeah, right. Buford. Right? Yeah, exactly. So they said we're we're going to go down and get together with their their front office and coach or whatever. And, and um, you know, I lived here, so so Atkins, Pyro, Tony Lacava, another guy in the front office, myself, and one other guy came down. We went. We saw a Spurs game. And the next day, we went over to their the practice facility where their office was. Right. And so they they brought in a bunch of guys. Uh, Popovich never showed, you know. So I said, okay, anyway. But anyway, Buford sits down. He's talking about you know in in. You know, I grew up here, and, and you hear about the Spurs, the Spurs way, this or that, and all that. But Buford came right out and said, "Listen, he goes, I guess Popovich was on the block anyway. He almost got fired one year, and then something happened. But of course, then he says, if we don't end up with David Robinson and Timmy Duncan, he says we're all gone. He goes, that we have no secret here. That was our secret, right? And <laughs> and uh, but everybody thinks, oh, well, they do. Well, you know, they do a great job." With four players, that's for sure. You know, yeah. Obley and those Parker and those guys. But so when when you see them, they were tanking last year just to get this opportunity. Because even Popovich said, "When Duncan retires, I'm out of here." Right? They're paying him too much money. Right? He ain't going anywhere. So they got what they wanted. You know, the odds you know were against it, but they got what they wanted. It'd be interesting to see how they. But they they do do run a great system. There's no question about that. But especially in that sport where one guy can dominate. So, you know, uh, I mean, you got to have surrounding pieces. Base, baseball, let's say like a, a hitter may get four bats in a game, five maybe on a, on a good night, mm-hmm. right? So he's not dictating like that guy will or, or like Mahomes is touching the ball every, you know, or, or uh, McDavid and those guys, you know? Yeah, no, it's a great it's, – it's, it's, He drops in, he drops in his little hockey knowledge there. He called it McDavid. And here, by the way, speaking of Popovich, John Gibbons may know this. Popovich is famous for being one of the best tippers of any professional sports person ever. Like there's these story. He doesn't like people to sort of know this, but you sometimes get these stories from like servers or waiters where they'll come out and be like, Greg Popovich left me like a $5,000 tip. It's like, it's pretty famous. Like within the restaurant world, uh, he likes fine dining for sure. He's a big, wine. Oh, he likes his wine. Yeah. But that guy is like very, very famous for like crazy tips. Well, they were injured when you're when you're making ten million at least. No, a I'm year drunk, as, John, as a, I'm as a coach. <laughs> right. If I'm making ten million dollars, I'm going to Tim Hortons and giving the person a thousand bucks. Here yeah, you go. I, I think he might be tipping a little low and making that much money. Yeah, know. good point. There you go. Good point. I'm, I'm surprised he's hey, not into politics now. He lo- he loves politics. He likes getting involved oh, in politics. Oh. I wish he didn't, but he does. 
that's Richard Deitch, John Gibbons. Don't go away, boys. We got a special guest coming up. I tell you what, you guys just talk amongst yourselves. Go ahead. No, go ahead, John. Yeah, Do John, take charge. Don't no, be a piece I can't. of shit not, again today. No. <laughs> again. again. <laughs> oh, we, you know, you're, you've been sitting out, you're sitting waiting to get on here, and Gibbons and telling us his philosophy of life, Bob. So it's been pretty good. Well, uh, come back, Gibby. Manage this team. <laughs> oh. Fuck. Hey, they were ready to run me out back then, man. Everybody, now I'm like, the, you know, everybody wants me back. What's the thing? Yeah, Not everybody. I, I do anyway. Uh, Bobby, I appreciate that, pal. We'll get back to the basics, huh? Man, oh man, this team is playing like shit. Yeah, they, yeah, they just got hit between the eyes. Well, uh, I mean, I I know this kind of thing can happen, but all year long, this team has not hit in key situations, and the manager doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. Well, he made he's well, you know what? The, the, the front office runs everything now. Runs oh, everything, I know. You know. I know. Well, I fire the GM right now. Well, I know. <laughs> two weeks left in the year. <laughs> he got well. He had two good corner outfielders who could hit. No, I know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Bob. You, Bob, you were getting rid of Teoscar six times <laughs> last year. Yeah, I know that, <laughs> but I was wrong. You know, John. It happens occasionally. Well, hold on, hold on. This, 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 you didn't have a stroke. This is a, this is an epiphany. I, yeah, no, this, I is, this is the new story of the podcast. Those are words I've never heard out of McCowan's mouth before. I was wrong. Oh my god! I was god. wrong. <laughs> I would hey, have kept two of them. Hey, you must have loved that home run jacket, huh? Which like a master which jacket? Oh, the one screw that. <laughs> yes, <they are. laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to my grave loving that jacket, John. Get oh it. god! Yeah. Well, at least they hit a couple of home runs when they had the jacket. Oh, you're right. Maybe they maybe don't hit it now. Hey, Richard's a typical New Yorker, though. Man, they like all that fancy crap. That's true. That's so true. I know. I know. <laughs> How are the Yankees doing? How are the Mets doing? Nah, listen, long, long year for uh, for both. Yeah. Of them. yeah, too bad. Hey, how's uh, how's Aaron Rodgers doing? Ouch. Or the Jets, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, yeah but Aaron, Aaron, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a tourist. He's not a real New Yorker. This is a, this is a tourist season for him. Well, yeah, they got as much out of him as they could. For the Jet, if you think the Blue Jays are cursed, trust me. You want a real curse? The Jets are cursed. Yes. Yeah. I think yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, Name is uh, legend lives on. That's it. The, are we the, the do Jets this are always in the, what? The, huh? We are doing it right now. We're doing this right now. We're well, this, we're on the air. We're, this is uh, it. We, it's too late. We're almost finished. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, John Gibbons. That you know what. If you would have worn the fur coat like Namath as a manager, you would be a le- that's a oh, legend. Oh no, because it was in a it's in a hockey country, man. Hey, we, yeah, we ain't getting away with that. <laughs> the Bring only guy that could back. get away, the the only thing the only guy that could wear a fur coat like that was Macau in the first year when he was the PA announcer at Exhibition Stadium. Opening I day. know. Yeah, <laughs> Phil <laughs> Roof offered me fifty bucks to borrow it. You wore uh, a fur coat. Yeah, oh, I had a fur yeah. coat on. It was snowing, man. Are you kidding? Well, you could have put a park on, not a fur coat. So Phil Roof reaches into his back pocket. He's fully, he's in uniform. Reaches into his back pocket and pulls a wallet out that's this thick. Like a a standard wallet. Picks a wallet out in the field. 
I don't know anybody. But no, Phil Ruth did. You know, pulled 50 US out of his wallet and said, here, I'll lend me your coat. Because <laughs> he has to sit in the bullpen. And it was freezing. Oh, that's a good old days, huh? Yeah, it was. Oh, oh shoot. Well, man, you look good, yeah, man. I, you sound good. Well, I feel I feel a little bit better. You know, it's slow yeah. though. Really slow. Yeah. yeah. But they expect that. That's they're right. That's what they I expect. Know. I guess. You know, you make progress at the beginning pretty quickly, but then yeah. as things go on, it becomes really slow. So uh, I'm frustrated, but uh, I do what I can, you know, do my exercise here's every the, day. Yeah. Here's the dilemma, John. Here's the dilemma. You know, the better Bob gets, the more criticism I get. So I, this is this is not a win-win for me, you know. I mean, no, I know. But, you know it is a glut for punishment. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like being a like being a manager in Major League Baseball. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it is not. It has nothing to do with that. Like <laughs> nothing like that. Gibbons, you were great because you didn't do a damn thing. You just That's exactly. Sat, you just sat there and looked beautiful. You know. Isn't That's that the way it's need. supposed to be? I think so. You know, I... you've had some success. So this guy hasn't been successful. He's got uh, what a two hundred million dollar payroll, and uh, they can't beat anybody. No, I got. Well, I, I, they, I, are, they are thirteen games above five hundred, Bob. They oh, are big 13 deal. Games above... <laughs> this team should be in first place. Well, With we the asked kind of uh, Ross. They've Richard, got Richard asked John. Yeah. If they don't make the playoffs, what kind of changes are going to happen in the front office? What do you I think? Fire, fire the GM. Start over. You're not firing. But what about Shapiro? Uh, I don't think he has anything to do with it, really. I think he mostly is worried about the stadium. But <laughs> uh, what, maybe maybe him, too. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see what happens. The GM made the moves, as far as I know, and uh, you, I don't like any of them. Hey, they may, they may win the next 10 games. Get hot like Atlanta did two years ago and run I know the it. table. And then I'll change my mind. And then they'll go. And, they'll, and, they'll be going, "Hey, boys." And, and by the way, we have I'll been saying it. we have been saying that phrase since opening day in the end of March. They may get on a hot streak. We have been oh, waiting all season, and they haven't got on a hot streak. They haven't. They no. the pitching even even the pitching has been bad in the last week or so. Yeah, that's the shocking part. That is really surprising. Yeah, the pitching was great all year. Yeah, they still couldn't win as many games as they should have, but the pitching yeah. right now is not so hot. Who all do you right. going to win it all, Bob? Who's going to win it all? You know, I I can't tell you. I I'm really impressed by this Baltimore team. Yeah, they're young, but um, you know, I think they're the best right now, and certainly in the American League. What do they got? They did her closer though, man. He's got that elbow issue. Well, like whatever. Yeah, you know? I mean, everybody needs something, you know. Mm. But uh, yeah. I really like. I really like them. I like their offense too. Listen, to this Texas offense. I know they play like crap for three weeks, but this Texas offense looked really good, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. Plus, they got the Bochy factor too. Bochy's gonna help them in the. Yeah. And the wire, you know. I know. Hey, Bochy's good. I, 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 after we talked about Bochy last week, John, 
I watched Bruce. I was I went to the game Monday night. I watched Bruce quite uh, closely. He does a good job of doing nothing too. Yeah, and that was. <laughs> It, it, hey, I, I once heard uh, or I read where uh, 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 what was his name? Uh, Buddy Bell, when Buddy Bell was managing it, some, who was he managing the Royals or something? He made he made the he made the comment. They says, one of these days I want to manage a team that I don't have to coach so much. Right? So, yeah, exactly. This is the big <laughs> leagues, man. Just go, go get them, boys. Yeah, that's the whole idea, right? Well, yeah, the days okay. of Tommy Lasorda on the, on the bench going crazy every day. Those days are over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. We've had enough fun for a week. Okay. Thank you, Robert. All right, boy. Bobby, great seeing you. Love you. See you, hey, Stay, stay See strong, you man. Bye-bye. That's Bob McCowan. He's Richard Deitch, John Gibbons. Thanks for a great week, boys, and have a great weekend. This is the McCowan Podcast. Mm-hmm.